What's up, y'all? She from Legacy Hustle here. I have a little request of you. If you truly appreciate what we're trying to do here and you enjoy the show, the sharing, the transparency, and the insights, as well as the inspiration we bring you with each and every episode, I need you to help us out as well by supporting. Go ahead and subscribe, like, comment, follow, and review as we work to get the word out to more people about the show. Also, please consider sharing the show with your entire network. Thank you. Enjoy the show. What's up, y'all? This is Legacy Hustle, a show that's going to highlight and amplify the stories of Black entrepreneurs and their products or services that are impacting the preceding generations, future generations, or just cross-generationally. We use the word legacy not only to describe the solutions created, but also to acknowledge the guests' impact on their own family and personal circles through wealth generation or creation. The show is going to explore what their business is, how they got it off the ground, and the trials and tribulations experienced on their legacy hustle journey in an effort to both inspire and educate you, our listener, who I'll refer to along the way as legacy hustlers. I'm Sheed. I'll be your host. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Phil Terrell of SoulSafe. Phil is the founder and chief executive officer. He's a dynamic and engaging individual who's never shied away from a challenge, met a stranger, and is always down for discussions on how to make the world a better place for others. Prior to SoulSafe, Phil has worked at Microsoft, the Burks Companies, and Miller Coors. He resides in St. Paul, Minnesota with his wife, Rita. And without further ado, we're just going to go get into it. Phil, thank you so much for being with us today here on Legacy Hustle to talk about Soul Safe and you yourself as an entrepreneur and legacy hustler. Welcome. Yeah, appreciate you, Rasheed. Man, I'm I'm glad to be here. You know, I've we've been talking about this for a minute, so I'm I'm excited to to chop it up and talk about, you know, not just myself, but also what you have going on with Legacy Hustle. So I appreciate you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. Let's dive right in. Tell the people what Soul Safe is. And where yeah. this idea came from. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, three weeks ago, I would tell you it's sneaker insurance and leave it at that. Uh, but like many, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, business owners, whatever, you naturally pivot, you know, through the through the process, through the grind. Uh, and so now I would tell you SoulSafe is an asset management platform built for sneakerheads by sneakerheads. You know, and it's, it's really this derivative of my own, you know, sort of love and passion for the space like i yes i have a whole bunch of shoes behind me but i still have my first <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah yeah you know it's like obviously you like sneakers but like i still have my first pair of sneakers like my first very first pair of sneakers an air jordan 5 fire red little baby shoes sitting upstairs in my office in a tin can and so it was like i think it was a, the culmination right or at least the beginning of a 31 year journey since birth to do something related or in proximity to sneakers, sneaker culture. And, you know, that's kind of where we've arrived at today around this whole idea of sneakers as an asset, thinking about a management platform, um, inclusive of the insurance, you know, and now we're on this, this bigger journey to go figure it out. 
All right. And and tell the people how long you've been on this journey, man. <laughs> yeah. So Soul Say started like as an idea, I think the summer of 2020. And so it's crazy because, you know, at that point we were like in the thick of it in general as like a society in the pandemic. And so I was like, you know, it's weird. It's like I had a kid during the pandemic, you know, in a way. Um, and so that's how I started um, that summer of 2020. And then it quickly evolved. Like I knew, I knew the idea was potentially dope, like just because I knew the space really well. I had actually just got done insuring uh, my wife Rita's ring. And so I was like super curious about insurance right then. And so I started asking questions about, you know, insurance, about the processes, about claims, about valuations, appraisals. And they were, you know, I was like, I was like, dang, I'm getting ready to go down the insurance road. And I was like, <laughs> you know, insurance is not a thing. You're like, yeah, I can't wait to do insurance. You know, it's like, it wasn't that. Um, I just, I just knew the sneaker space so well and the, the things that were, were happening on the technology side of sneakers, on the infrastructure itself and the market. And so it started in 2020 of June, last two years ago now, almost two years ago. Um, and it's quickly transformed into a lot of other things. So but that was where it started. So in the summer of 2020, you got things rolling and, and really going. Didn't you still have a full-time job at the time? <laughs> yeah, did I? <laughs> I had a full-time. <laughs> full-time. Uh, yeah, I was at Microsoft still, you know, and... Um, I was just hustling, man, like literally hustling. I would do my, you know, my Microsoft gig. And it's funny, I can say this now because I'm like, I ain't on payroll, right? And so um, even then, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of naturally, like, and a lot of people have like side gigs and things they do outside of their, you know, sort of primary job. Um, but yeah, I started working on it at Microsoft. Um, and it was weird because the space I was in, right? Like, it wasn't like I was just in like, you know, random role at Microsoft, you know, it was just like, like I had like a a real job like at Microsoft. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you, were, you were busy actively doing a lot of different things. Doing a lot of things. And so I but I knew though if I didn't, you know, at the same time invest in my side my side hustle, then I wouldn't have even been at the point I'm at now, right? I would have been behind. Time out real quick, right? One of the things that I have a pet peeve with is is referring is to the development of whatever you're doing as a side thing, right? And so well, it was um, a side thing. Because it wasn't, it's, it's so it wasn't getting thing. my, it wasn't get, yeah, it was a legacy thing, but like the thing about it is, it's like I had and to. You're you going to tell me you were putting in less time than you were into your day job? No, but I, my my reason for saying so it was. So was it really thing. a side thing if you were doing it as much as you were doing it, nine it to five, if not more? That. It started off as like a side thing. It was like, I got yeah. this idea, it's pretty dope. I'm going to figure it out and start to, and you know this because we talked about it. It was like, yo, I got this idea. I keep I kept working on it and then the idea started to evolve. Right. And I was right. like, I can see the legs being getting stronger. Right. And now it's like, you know, instead of like, you know, that adage of like crawl, walk, run, it was like crawling went to walking really fast. And then like <laughs> I was like, oh man, like, you know, I started doing like accelerators and we could get in all that stuff, right? Which is I saw the pieces coming together of that puzzle a lot faster than even I anticipated. And so the side hustle did start turning into like the legacy, true legacy hustle. Cause I started to see the bigger picture of what I was working on. Yeah. And then I was going to go back and say this legacy hustlers while, while Phil is taking us on his journey, I'm still adamant that even though this brother's calling it a side thing, he was pouring <laughs> just as much time, love, energy, if not more into figuring out 
what he was passionate about and taking that off of the ground um, so that he could walk away from his job. And, and so to me, again, I yeah, say this yeah, all the time, yeah. it was a legacy hustle. It wasn't a side hustle. I and it evolved it. to the point where he was able to walk away from his job. So let's talk about that a little bit too, right? For, for those of you that don't really know me like that, I actually work as an HR professional for my day job. And so Phil and I ended up having a conversation about like, yo, when is the right time for me yeah. to like, you know, call it quits? And so in all of my HR expertise and wisdom, <laughs> I laid something out for him. And then this brother was like, nah, I'm leaving now. So, yeah. so what went through your head? What was that point where yeah. you finally decided, yo, this is it. This is me pulling a ripcord and jumping out of corporate America to fully pursue my legacy hustle. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm laughing about that now because there were some like really like serious conversations we had and it was like super strategic. It wasn't, you know, and there were there were a lot of things like a lot of moving parts for me because, you know, I spent a lot of time when I was at Microsoft intentionally building a lot of equity with people around my brand, my personal brand, professional brand. And so I was really sensitive to move to making a move. I was really just really sensitive. You know, I had, as you know, like different relationships at different altitudes of the company from the top to the bottom. And and so I was just being really thoughtful about it. And it was causing like this, you know, not for anyone listening, like it's harder than it seems, right? Like if somebody outside looking in and you see somebody leave their job, it's like, oh, that's dope. But it's like, yeah, but the part that Rashid and I are about to talk, are talking about is like the way you do it is so important. It's so like, I knew it was time when I, two things, like, I knew it was time when I, you know, because the big thing I was like, I have to find, I have to get into something that funds the company, right? And I was like, will there be funds for me to actually pursue this full time, even for a short period where I didn't have to rely specifically on my own funds, right? Which bootstrapping was a part of my strategy anyway, um, which I was doing while at Microsoft. And then, so that, that started to materialize. I was like, okay it's all about timing. And so when I got into Techstars, which, you know, we can get into Techstars later, but it was like, when I got into Techstars, which is like probably like one of the top two accelerators for startups in the world, I knew it was, it was over. Now the question became, how soon do I leave? Right. Because that's what, and that's what we were talking about. And I was like, well, I'm ready to go now then. Cause like the thoughts of leaving when you start to have them. And like, when you start to have them at first, you're like, you know, like the legacy hustle, you don't necessarily know when it comes, but when it comes, it's kind of surprising. You're not, you know, it's like, it catches you off guard because now you have to really think through stuff. And for me, I wasn't thinking about just me. I had just got married. Like I was like, there were a lot of moving parts. And so I was like, I had just got my Microsoft check, like my bonus, you know, I was like, so people that, you know, know Microsoft, you're like, okay, first of all, you got to wait till July 1st to do anything. And then, <laughs> right? I'm just giving y'all some free game if you if you have Microsoft. You think about it, right? But <laughs> and then you know, then the then the big payday comes September 15th, right? And so between like May and that time, you know, you're operating like y'all want to make sure they allocate my bonus the right way, and then, you know, la la la. And so that's kind of what I was thinking about the relationships and things. And then when I got into TechStars, I knew it was over. So then, like the thing we were talking about is. Do you, do I stay until November 7th, <laughs> you know, and get all of the money, right. And all the benefits and, you know, make sure those things are tight, you know, or do I, you know, cause I, I actually had a time bound situation anyway. So it wasn't like, um, I had until like the end of December and all, I didn't have that, uh, sort of set up yeah. as part of, 
as part of my entry into tech stars or acceptance into tech stars. And then I just knew like I needed some time too, right? Like after you go kind of hard like that at a company like Microsoft, um, you know, a lot of people forget the part to take the time out for themselves. And so that also is what kind of triggered me to just be like, you know what? I'm out. And so I left my last day at Microsoft was I put my two weeks the first day of October. And my last day at Microsoft was October 15th, 2021. And I took those few weeks kind of off because like then I got really confused. Right. I was like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I was like, so what here do I do? you are, you, you walk away and you're like, okay, now what do I start doing for this business full time? Yeah. I was city. like, now what? I got a whole yeah. day to myself, basically. And I was like, I don't even know what to do. I don't have any meetings. Like there's no monthly business reviews and like, all this other stuff. Um, and so I just started running a company, building a company, like really building a company. Cause now I could dedicate my day. Like when I had prime energy to, um, you know, work on it. And so that's, that's kind of where we were at. Right, and then, you know, then let, I left. Me, let me bring us back to the, the, the money element you were highlighting. Right. So, where, where did you get the funding for this, right? A lot of times when our listeners yeah. are tuning in, they want to understand oh, how they get it off the ground. So you spoke about bootstrapping and then talk about like, you know, the elements of, of being able to find additional funding for your business. Yeah, the, ni- the nice part. So at first, like I was going into a like true hustler mode, right? I'm like, hey, I'm going to make sure I have, and that was kind of like the thing with Microsoft and the timing of it all. It's like, I wanted to make sure I could get, yes, the last bit of check I could. Um, but then also, you know, people don't think about like healthcare and all these things, right. That sort of change how you actually think about money. And, you know, that's something else we were talking about. And, you know, if you work at a company like Microsoft, before you go full time in a startup, it's a big difference. (laughs) Like you go from zero (laughs) to, you know, hundreds of dollars that you pay for insurance. And it's like these little things were some things I was taking into consideration when it came to the money. And so I knew I could bootstrap. And, you know, kind of self-fund the company. We are already doing it. Um, and I had other three other co-founders before that were also, you know, contributing to the work that was being done specifically on the tech side, which was at that point the main cost. And then I was like, well, we have to get some money somewhere else. Like, this is not going to work. Um, I don't want to exhaust all my reserves just for this. And so I had to make a decision. You know, and some some people do end up going down like they're able to bootstrap their company for a long time. But the reality is like, that's, you know, that's a very small percentage of people that will ever scale a company with just boots by just bootstrapping. Um, And so I knew like I had to go down a VC route and then also get more creative also in terms of getting funds. And so I applied to grants and things, you know, for businesses that were non-dilutive, meaning not taking equity out the company that would, you know, help give equity where we, where we could have it. And, and then, then how did you go about um, finding those? So I did there like a, were there certain websites that you went to that had some of those listed? Yeah. So a couple of the good ones that I checked out, there's one in particular called Hello Alice, HelloAlice.com. That's a great one. Um, some people, you know, recommend going to like the Minority Business Development Council, depending on like your company. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of, you know, sort of places. Even if you just like literally I was typing in, um, for me at least, you know, depends on the company, you know, the, the structure of the founders um you know in their backgrounds but for me you know obviously like i was uh, a black male starting a company a tech company and so there were there were grants and things specifically for that um but hello alice is a really good source that's how i found out about the uh naacp black entrepreneurs day grant with damon john that i won um things like Wait, that, what was you, that what what did you win uh, yeah yeah so there's 
Um, so there's a grant with the NAACP. Um, it's called Black Entrepreneurs Day. And it's, you know, really curated by Damon John from Shark Tank. And he, the first one was last year. And he had 10 companies that they, they give $25,000 grants to. Plus you get to engage with the corporate partners for, there's like 10 or, or whatever corporate partners attached to each company. Um, and then this, you know, I applied, I was like, you know, you know, just like anything, like shoot your shot. And I applied to the grant. And um, so I was selected. And then, um, you know, for me being an insurance, my corporate partner for that one was the general insurance and American family insurance, um, which is dope, you know, so being able to connect with, you know, American family, I'm getting ready to potentially do something with the general in the coming months. And then, you know, being able to connect with like Shaq, like Shaquille O'Neal, just like all these things and components are dope. And so it, Hello Alice was one of those places where I found out about that and they have some, some other really good grants. So you stumbled on Hello Alice, you started applying to stuff. And next yes. thing you know, you're connecting with all these different high these level different celebrities people. and business people and getting these connections that you didn't have access to before through it. So yeah. if you get nothing else from what Phil is talking about right now, just start applying to stuff, look online, use resources like Hello Alice to see what's out there for you. Yeah. When you think about where you're at on your journey so far, can you share uh, what you think has been your biggest challenge that you've had to overcome up to this point in time? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple. Um, the biggest one for me is like, you know, I felt like I built a really good brand at Microsoft and it was hard for me to detach from that. Right. From Phil Microsoft um, guy. And so that was one thing. And then naturally, like people say this, like, oh, it's you have more free time. So it's easy to just get stuff done. But it's like I had to learn how to like, you know, in corporate, you kind of learn how to prioritize. Right. But um, based on deliverables and things that, you know, make the most impact. Right. But when you're running a company, there's there's things like I'm building a company. Uh, you know, you have to ruthless reprioritize a lot of stuff. Right. Like. And so I had to learn to, to tell myself, what are the two to three things that I have to do today, right? Of the millions of things, like, you know, like, what are the two to three things that if I don't do them today, I basically create a, uh, a log jam for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So now, I'm, now I've messed up, right? Um, learning how to do that and to say no to people, because like in the entrepreneurial world, you want to connect with everybody. You want to do everything and you, you want everybody to know your business and this and that. Um, and I, I had to learn how to be like in the shadows, like, and just work, you know, and just get stuff done. And so that was like the second thing. And then the other one is like imposter syndrome. Like a lot of probably founders might say that, but it's, you know, I had to really get that out of my head. Like I stopped saying like, you know, other people go like, you're the CEO. You need to think like the CEO. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, like I, I know CEOs, like <laughs> I get it. You know, it, it's it's glamorous to say you're the CEO. Like, it sounds good. Like, I'm the CEO. But it was like, I wanted to make sure I was the founder first, right, versus the CEO. And so I had to first separate the two. And people were probably like, what are you talking about? Well, let me break that down. So, like, as a founder and CEO, because technically I'm both, the founder stuff was more important to me, meaning, like, what is this? Like, what are we doing? Why am I doing this? Right? Because at some point I'm going to have to go from being just, and I had three other co-founders. So like, I also went through a process where I had to work with them to, to essentially, it's funny. Cause I joke around now. I'm like, I fired my founders. Right. But I'm like, I, I you know, 
you know, I didn't necessarily fire them. You know, it's it's something that you learn along the way where you have to think about how you construct a team to actually scale a company, like build the right, you know, build the right foundation. And so like that was part of being a founder. So like, you know, like doing the legalities, like did I even structure the company right? Do I even understand what a cap table is like? Meaning like equity on a on an Excel spreadsheet. Do I know how my company ownership is allocated? Um, do I even understand fundraising rounds? <laughs> like, you know, there are certain things where it was like these fundamentals of starting a company. I needed to make sure I had those down before I go out and say I'm the CEO. Right. Meaning like I got the strategy. I had the vision. I can hire talented people. You know, I know how to go fundraise. I didn't know any of that shit. Right. Like I was like, let me go make sure I'm a great founder and not even great. Like I'm a good founder. I'm a decent founder. Like, you know, that I had the fundamentals, you know, and I can't speak for like the entire audience that'll listen to this, but a lot of them are going to look just like me and you. And so the reality of that is like, you also have to really learn the space, right. And take the, and I'm an observant, observant person. And so like, I would go and just kind of observe, you know, and kind of see how you going to observe, where are you going to learn to be a founder? Like, yes, I would go like to like pitch competitions. Or I would go to startup, you know, founder meetups, right? Or, um, you know, they have different like uh, founder classes or startup classes, you know, virtual or in person, whatever people are comfortable with. So I did some of that stuff to just learn, you know, or reach out to other people I knew started companies like that were maybe two or two to four steps ahead of me. Like they had already raised capital, right? Or you know, they had already done some beta testing, you know, or they just finished an accelerator to get them, you know, on the next step. And so then I could learn, right? You know, just like how people say, like, use other people's money. Sometimes you got to use other people's experience too, right? Money's not the only thing that gives you value. And so I was like, well, let me go get the OPE on, right? Like other people's experience so I can make sure I'm a good founder, right? Because then once I had to go get OPM, other people's money, I know what the hell to do with it. Right. (laughs) Right. And so so that was like what I what I mean by like I had to learn how to be a founder first before I could learn how to be a CEO. And And not only were you able to understand how they were fundamentally moving, but then when it came time for you to go get OPM, you were able to articulate articulate why you needed the money and how you were going to be using it. Right. Exactly. And so now even today, like I as we started off when I said, well, Soul Safe has evolved, like I've pivoted. Even to now have to go from articulating a company vision and mission direction one way and saying it a whole different way, like two weeks later, like you have to learn how to say that in a way that people believe you like, right. You know, like, cause I'm, I'm actively raising funds. Right. And so it's like when you're in the midst of raising funds and you're talking about pivoting a company that they invested in initially before, yeah, before, you know, you have to be like very convicted in what you're saying. Um, and so, like, that's just a part of building the muscle around being a, a good founder, but a good CEO, too. And then because you have to say to people, too, like, that you have to answer that question. What are you going to do with my money? That's right. the CEO and, part. <laughs> like, talk a little bit more about, you know, you you highlighted the fact that you were able to get in Techstars. For our listeners who aren't familiar, like, what yeah, is Techstars? Yeah. 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 So it's crazy. Text, I'll tell you about Techstars and I'll tell you about my experience with Techstars because it's a little bit different. So Techstars, you know, I, I kind of think about it in two ways. So basic level, it's Techstars is essentially a, a VC fund. It's a venture capital fund. At the end of the day, they invest in 
in companies, high growth companies, you know, that can, you know, yield returns for sure. Um, they invest in a lot of different areas. Uh, I think they have 18 or 19 exits, meaning like companies have gone public, like IPO'd, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's really one of those. Just, it's not just money that they're supplying, right? No. And, and that, that's the beautiful part about it is so, you know, yes, they invest in your company, they get some equity in return. But then on top of that, you know, you have this extensive global network of mentors, of other companies, founders. And when you're going through program, you know, you get essentially you get connected to nine other companies and likely 20 to 25 other people that are going through the same stuff you are relatively. Right. Um, That you immediately build connections to. You meet investors, uh, you meet potential partners on the biz dev side, business development side. Um, potential employees are in this sort of experience. And so holistically, so it's an entire, ecosystem. It's a ho- entire ecosystem to help startups win, like to help you succeed. Um, you know, and it's competitive for sure. But at the end of the day, um, just like with the grants, like if you don't apply, you know, you'll never know. Um, and, and I want to go back to some of the other things that Phil was saying before. It's important that you take time to go on that learning journey to understand the fundamentals of what your business is, what you're offering, how you're structured and what you're thinking through, yeah. and then testing that story along the way with different individuals. So go to the meetups. It may either be virtual or in person based on how you feel about getting out there, out and about, um, but really begin to learn from others um, as much as you're talking about your business. And then hopefully when you get to the point like Phil, you know, you started summer 2020 and then, you know, fall of 2021 is when he's making these moves into uh, a firm like Techstar. But hopefully that time frame gives you the ability to really um, polish your story and apply to the right places to get that experience to be able to take off with something like a Techstars. Right. But don't be scared of, of just putting yourself out there and beginning to really see what's out there so you can train yourself accordingly. Right. Yeah. When you yeah, think, one of the, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, like, one of the, no, one of the, the things with Techstars too, at least that I, I went through was, which was just for more, more context for people too, to, to your point about like not being afraid, right. Or not being scared to, to do it, you know, and, and get the reps. Right. Cause like at the end of the day, it's about rep, like reps, like repetition. And so like, I, we have, like we applied to Techstars the year prior. Right. And we didn't get into Techstars the year prior. We were way earlier in our, you know, development as a company, though. So we were super early. Um, and I remember telling the co-founders that my co-founders at the time, I was like, we're not going to get in. I just want y'all to know, like, I'm going to set the right expectations with y'all. We're not going to get in. The idea might be dope. Sure. I was like, but as a team, as a business, as a, you know, entirety, we're not going to get in because like there's too many holes and they're getting ready to, you know, rip those holes wide open. And that's exactly what happened. And is exactly what we needed to happen. So like, to the, I was just to, about to say that. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly what we needed. What needed. Yes, what we needed, right? And it was I learned a valuable lesson that day. Um, we got to the second round, and one of the the reviewers told me, you know, basically like Phil, I asked you some questions about the business, and you you kind of knew it. He was like, at the end of the day, the CEO should know everything cold, right? Like you should just be able to spit it all out, like no matter who's there, you know? And so my only like on this part about like shooting your shot, like if I would have never, you know, got that kind of feedback, 
I don't I don't think I would have been able to go back in the lab and take the other feedback, like the more feedback about the company, and the model and make it all work. Um, and at that time, it was, yeah, it was just insurance. But then I've applied the 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 mindset of the CEO or the person starting the company. You should be so deep and understand the business so well that it's like, you know, like how people can spit out stats on basketball or something like that, like something culturally relevant. Like you should be able to do the same for your company your um, no matter what, you know, so um without thinking about it and so that that's just like a lesson i learned going through the process now a year ago and then now being in the program a year later um you know i'm getting like maximum value because i'm super clear and precise on what i'm trying to do um you know i know the business cold at least cold enough um you know and still have room to grow of course but uh, for anybody who has like that type of idea and they think they can scale a, a company and not even to say like you got to go have a billion dollar company i think look like everybody wants to have a billion dollar company like yeah right but hell you can go have a 50 million dollar company do well and still have a great you know situation whether that's acquisition merger you know ipo whatever the heck it is right, right. like it's all good at this point in your journey um can you share any sacrifices that you've had to make for your business yeah, I mean, one I gave up that nice check at Microsoft, but <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, he's saying it jokingly, but I think that is one of the biggest barriers for so many individuals that have an interest in beginning their own business. Right? Yeah, it's like, serious. You know, you 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 are hooked up to your yeah, corporation because that <laughs> this this check this check is nice. Yeah, you know? yeah it's, it's nice. nice. It's, it's hard to to let that go. So thank you for sharing that and being transparent. Yeah. No, I, I, I say that. I say jokingly, Microsoft, I'm also serious that because there's like, it's not even a check, right? It was some of the other things like healthcare. Yeah. Like I, I mentioned that earlier, like that's a real thing, you know? And so, um, you know, there's some other like additional benefits that you don't, you kind of glaze over that you have, you know, when you leave, you're like, dang, no more stay fit. You know, or like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm sorry, you know, if you know that yeah. benefit, like free, yeah. basically like free exercise. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, that was one. And then like early on, I actually sold sneakers, right? Like to offset some of the costs. Like I just, um, I had some, you know, I didn't sell a lot of them. I sold enough to, to get some funds that we needed to do certain things. Um, so you took some of your prized possessions. Like yeah, man. I had the ones that. Had a pretty yeah. penny attached to the the, the yeah. Like I sold a pair of off white Jordan ones. It was a oh, the UNC Jordan one. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I had to so, do it. So what you're hearing, right? Like whatever it is that you're trying to establish and build for yourself, in some way, shape, or form, they're going to be sacrifices, and that's okay. You're just gonna have to measure. You know, if I give this up, what am I gonna get in return? And so yeah. you hear from Phil how his journey has just continued to evolve and a beautiful way. And I think a big part of that is not only because of his growth mindset and his ability to constantly learn, but also his intentionality and in being able to figure out how do I prioritize and what do I need to sacrifice in order to get me to where I need to get to. When you think about the vision for the future, where where does Soul Safe go? Yeah. I mean, in, in some worlds I have this, it's funny because I'm like, you don't have to have a billion dollar company, but now I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I do, I do, I do have not necessarily the aspirations to have a billion dollar company. Go ahead, I brother. Speak into being. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I have the aspiration that 
if I build a, a great company culture with the right people and, you know, invest in those people, very similar to how I felt when I was at Microsoft and, you know, in other, other spaces, then the billion dollar company will come. Right. And so like, um, the bigger vision is to create a company like truly like that people really love, like that they feel ownership of, um, you know, we can do some really dope things and disruptive things in the space. You know, essentially we're evolving from an insure tech or an insurance technology company into really like a financial tech company um, based on some of the other things that we're doing, um, future state uh, and well, currently in future state that we have plans to do. And so, you know, for me, it's about how do we create this like culturally relevant financial platform Um, today? That's for sneakers, but tomorrow is really for any sort of like cultural asset, but um, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot to be done, but it's an exciting time. So I'm excited about it. Appreciate you for sharing. We're going to segue into uh, what I call a five minute hustle. Just yeah, a yeah. simple call and response. Um, and we're going to take our listeners on a journey of some of the things that are important to you and have helped you as a business person. Right. So one of the things that I'm going to ask off rip, what initially held you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, fear. You want me to add some more there? Yeah. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. So I think it was, I think it was fear. You know, I, I, um, you know, I have a lot of, you know, community and a village around me that's full of entrepreneurs and I give credit to them. They inspire me on a daily basis. Um, but I was fearful of getting rid of my comfort. Right. And I was super comfortable. Um, and I didn't know how hard it would be. I mean, like, like I did, but like, through other people, but like, um, like this is hard. Um, you know, you sacrifice even more stuff. Like I think about now I'm sacrificing a lot of time with my, my wife, with my friends with my family. And I'm like, I didn't know it would require that much sacrifice. Um, you know, and so like, I think that was the, the thing is like, I kind of knew that it would come, but now that it's here, I'm like, yeah, I wish I would have got into it sooner. Cause then I would have learned faster how to sort of navigate and manage so I can, not just be a great, a good founder, a good CEO, but like a better like husband, person, family member, yeah, like be, all be an all around stand up man. Yeah, just and being present when it matters, right? Like it's when you're building a company. There's the other side of that fear, which is like failing, right? You know, and so like when I left Microsoft, I was thinking, man, what if this doesn't work? Like you know, I've, I've taken this leap and put my you know all into this thing and naturally like you're, you go into it like yeah it's gonna work you know nobody goes into it like man this is gonna fail like you know that's that's not how you go into it and so the other side of that which is motivating at the same time to make sure it doesn't you know at least you go a thousand percent so if it does if it does you're like i did everything i could do you could have done um, and this segues us into the next thing like what do you think is the best business advice you've ever received you dropped a lot of pearls along the way with that last yeah. one yeah, I, it's crazy because the, the best advice that I ever received may not have been biz, just business advice. It's like life advice. And I, I got it from an old man in Cuba. And I was getting ready to cross the Malacone and I wasn't paying attention. Um, and dude grabbed me like I was about to cross street car to come. He grabbed me and he was just like, wait 60 seconds to live another 60. And I basically have applied that to business, meaning just because it looks good, sounds good in that particular moment doesn't mean you have to do it, right? Or the decision that you make, you should be thoughtful about the decisions and the things you do 
in operating a company or being attached to a company, leading a company, um, partnering with people, all of that. So probably that is, you know, wait 60 seconds to live another 60 because any decision you make could kill you literally like as a company. um, For you in that scenario that you presented. Yeah, that was real. Um, When you think about a periodical, like a business book, magazine, podcast, something that you tune into on a regular basis because you feel like it makes you that much better as a yeah. professional or business person. What is that? Yeah. The most recently, maybe it's cause I'm in tech stars, but <laughs> it's a book called venture deals. Um, venture deals is such a phenomenal book, especially for people that are, that want to start companies um, because it gives you an idea and a lens and perspective of investors. Right. And so, and just the, just the ecosystem, like startup ecosystem, the flow, um, you know, how to think about, like I was mentioning the cap table and financing your company and how investors think about things. There are different personas, um, raising funds, hiring people. It's all in there, kind of like a blueprint. And at least to give venture you a- deals, be smarter than your lawyer, um, Brad Feld and Jason Mendelson. Mm-hmm. Venture deals. Yep. Yep. Okay. And that, and that, that, that kind of gives you like a really good grounding. So when you do start talking to, um, you know, investors or whatever accelerators that you know exactly what you're kind of getting into. Right. And it gives you just some good working capital right in your head. Um, that's one. And then the other one, which is maybe it's because I think these dudes are phenomenal. I know them. I've worked with them from a prior, prior life at Microsoft, but like I actually pay really close attention to earn your leisure. And I do that maybe more intentionally now, just because of not just the platform and the content, um, but I look at it from our perspective of how they've built community, um, you know, how they've dissected a lot of the financial things in the, in the world and made it really consumable for people. You know, so when we think about like soul safe with insurance, it's insurance is not easy to understand. Most people don't like it. So there's certain things I pay attention to um, just more culturally, too. And Earn Your Leisure is uh, another podcast out there. Absolutely phenomenal content. So if you're not familiar, go get yourself familiar with it. I have a yeah. series of different podcasts in their family, UIL. Yeah. All right. And then finally, for your own particular business, is there a go-to tool, application, internet resource that you use um, on a regular basis? Yeah, it's interesting because like I'm in a in the I'm at the intersection of multiple things right so you know i have my insurance sort of you know claims i have like this little it's like an inbox it's funny because i get it like every morning it's like you know insurance updates like in industry updates and it's like claims management you know it's like these things that are like super insurance focused where unless you're in insurance i would recommend you not read like you know like i wouldn't suggest those things um but i look at things like business of fashion um some of those kind of periodicals, I look at what Cohen is putting out on the investment and like on the analyst side. Um, you know, so I'm looking at like a lot of different things I watch. Um, you know, I pay attention to like regular publication in terms of like, like on the media side, because I need to see what like, for example, like an eBay or larger companies are doing in the space. Um, it's weird. I follow more things on like Instagram too, on a like bite-sized content perspective, like sneaker news um, or something like that, just so I can stay up to date like complex or hype beast or something like that. Um, and that's more just for me culturally. So I know yeah. what the heck is going on in the sneaker world. Um, you know, and then I, I also pay attention to weirdly, um, weirdly or not weirdly. I, um, I pay attention to like adjacent industries. 
to what we're doing. So like I pay attention to what's happening in art um, or what's happening with investing in alternative assets like wine, um, you know, and things like that. And so it just makes sure I have like a complete 360 view of what's going on in the, in the world, in the world around the company. Bet. Appreciate you for taking us on that journey. One of the things that I'll be remiss in not bringing attention to is this book right over my shoulder. Can you <laughs> tell the audience about this book um, and the yeah. journey that you went on and, and what it means to you? Yeah, no, for sure. I appreciate you you, you doing that. Um, so that book there is called Collision Course, uh, Four F's to Transform Life's Challenges into Powerful Breakthroughs. And I wrote that book as a result of taking notes on my own journey. So back in uh, it was December 21st of 2014, I got into a car accident, uh, self-inflicted. Like I always let people know, like it was, I caused it essentially from drinking and driving. Um, so I was highly intoxicated, uh, likely as a derivative of other unresolved issues that I'd never, you know, sort of discussed. Um, and then, you know, as a learning, like I went to jail, um, did the whole thing, community service, um, almost killed friends in the car. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that you sort of can unpack from the book. And at the end of the day, I just knew like I had to go on this sort of journey of, you know, rediscovering myself and, and really getting to a, a place where I understood who I was so I can go become who I'm supposed to be. And that, and that's what the book is a, about. Essentially it's, how can you take whatever you're kind of going through, compartmentalize it, and then break it down, right? In four kind of easy steps, which were find, focus, feed, and then facts. Like, what are those simple steps you can take to to identify something, you know, learn about it, you know, spend time, feed into it, or pour into it, um, you know, then start to think about how can I, you know, identify solutions, and then the facts are like, what are the outcomes, the things that you know you that are the results from all that work in those first three steps. And that's what it was about. You know, it's funny because like the last, the last part of the book, you know, like the last chapter, like there's like a blank, there's like blank pages almost, you know, and people are like, why the heck did you do that? And it was because that was just one chapter, literally like technically like more than one, but like one large chapter, um, you know, the decision I made where I wanted to help other people that might be silently going through things. Um, and so I never intended, like, I was joking with you about this, like, I never wrote that book to be like, yo, let me go win a, you know, Pulitzer Prize or something like that, or be on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, it was about the one-off conversations I had, you know, with little kids who were like, I'm going through this, you know, or I did that too. And, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with drinking and something like that. Um, so that's what I did. I took my, my journaling and wrote a book and hopefully helped, you know, other people that were you know, silently dealing with stuff, become better people and, you know, kind of achieve the things they wanted to with their lives. So I appreciate you for being so transparent and your willingness to share that um, journey and, and where the book came from. Um, check it out. It's on Amazon. If you're interested in picking it up, Collision Course, Four F's to Transform Life's Challenges into Powerful Breakthroughs. Phil, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have appreciate you on the show today. Um, really enjoyed, you know, everything you shared from your growth mindset to the sacrifices that you've made to the amazing things that have happened on the journey in terms of your success thus far. We're looking forward to seeing you become a billion dollar company in the future. Hey, I'll take um, it. I'll take it. So, so any words that you'd like to leave the people with before you sign out? Uh, 
Yeah, I would. Um, I have this other acronym that I kind of I live by. It's sort of like my silent credo, I guess. Um, and it's called EARN, E-A-R-N. And EARN is simple. It stands for each accomplishment remembers nothing. And what I what that really means is like, for example, I, I had an idea for a company. Maybe that's the accomplishment. But if I don't tell anybody about it, it means nothing, right? But when I tell somebody about it, then it means something. Then it's like, okay, how does it add value, right? So it's like, it's a way to consistently and constantly remind yourself, like, keep doing it, like, keep going. You know, one one block leads to another block, leads to a foundation, which then leads to you being able to put up walls, which then leads to you putting up windows. So then, you know, it's like you now have built a house, which is like, or built a company. And so, like, each accomplishment remembers nothing or earn is what I would leave the the other hustlers out there, like, with, you know. It's, I love it. Keep, Appreciate keep that. Thank you, Phil. Really appreciate your time today. What's up, Legacy Hustlers? I hope your cup is overflowing with inspiration, motivation, and knowledge after listening to our guests today. And if it was, don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, comment, and share with your friends so we can continue to grow the base of listeners. Shout outs to Chris from Sideline Records for always producing an amazing episode. Jonathan Leonard, we see you. Thank you for the uh, intro music. And to our listeners, until the next time we connect, please don't get in your own way in the pursuit of your dreams.